Hello and welcome to the Lost Air Podcast. I'm Garen. I'm here with Paul. How are you? And this week we're going to be looking at... Um, me and you kind of approach this at slightly different angles. I approached yeah. it from great vocal performances and I think you had a slightly different take on it. I was going for the ones that made me go, fuck! <laughs> like, oh, what? Yeah. yeah. The ones that came to my head quickest as... The ones that made me go, like... The, these not necessarily aren't my favorite songs or even favorite vocal performances, but they're the ones I think in my head that make me go, that's that's the ones that you'd gift on, to aliens on a CD. Yeah, so asked, you, what, who are your best? What's your best? Yeah. You went for superpowers, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. So you went for superpowers. I went for, um, I went for, for performances that I think stand out um, for different reasons, basically. Um so I have a bunch of songs in here, and when I when I say when I, when I get around to a few of mine, and I say it's this song by this person, a lot of people are going to go, "What the fuck are you talking about?" But there's there's kind of a method to the madness for sure, for, yeah. for how how we well, think about it. Thankfully, we are on the podcast, and you will have to explain yourself. Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Also, it must be said that a lot you'll see an awful lot of podcasts and um, YouTube videos of people that try and do stuff like this. They nearly always try and use live performances we didn't do that yeah. we go for recordings here um yeah yeah you know what i what i did was actually i'm glad you mentioned that because i totally forgot what i did was i made sure i went and looked at a live version to make sure they could do the studio version live i absolutely didn't so so i'll well there's only five things to check yeah now i knew i had already known well, a treat them in my head already from live before out of five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I checked the other two and went, Yeah, like there's no doubt that they can do this live. No yeah, doubt yeah, at all. Exactly. There's not, there's no but, studio but, trickery involved. Essentially. Yeah, but to be, yeah. be honest with you, I don't know what I don't really want to make it a track of live performances That's, again. Yeah. We already did that, it yeah. was great, but exactly. Yeah. It was a fun one, but let's uh, yeah, we're, we're basically going for studio performances here, uh, where they can take the best cuts and kind of glue them together. So, again, not studio trickery. Uh, as such but we're looking at controlled performances here as opposed to kind of live raw ones Uh, A it's easier because it's Spotify and B everybody was doing live stuff so we said fuck that let's do uh, studio recordings (laughs) Um, so yeah we're doing great slash greatest slash superpowers vocal performances sheer half vocal performances let's just call it that Um, and uh, who was your first one then let's get straight into it who have you got I went with one that is... It's, it's hard to tell the line between uh, very obvious and having people go, how did you not put that one into it? The yeah, greatest one of all listen, time. Listen, so, there's going to be yeah. seven, 17 volumes of this, so get over yourselves. Yeah, this is, exactly. This is just the first 10, right? So, not- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I put in the one that always springs to mind. As a child, the first time I heard this, I went, that's the greatest singer of all time. Because mm. I was a kid, and I don't know if he was but you'd have to put this guy Pavarotti in the top five yeah, singers yeah, of all time so. Um, so obviously it's uh, Ness and Dorma from the uh, Turandot uh, area uh, the, uh, the, or the opera it, it is an area it's just it still gives me fucking chills yeah. and I know it's I, like people go oh very obvious don't care I don't care what you think this is my podcast not yours fuck off <laughs> so <laughs> So I'm picking Ness and Dorma so you get yeah. to hear it again and go, you know what? He's dead right. This is shocking. Yeah. Absolutely shocking. Yeah. That, like, he it sounds like he's singing this effortlessly. Yeah, this is, I know jack shit about opera. I've actually been to the opera twice in my entire life and I, I mean, still don't know. Yeah, I went in, in Prague and I still, I, I couldn't tell you 
um, what I saw. But I know that, like, during parts of it, I was like, the fuck out of here with this shit. This is, what's going on? You know what I mean? Uh, but I know this song, and this is just yeah. the cream this of the crop. This is one of the hardest songs for anyone to sing the way he does, because he is singing. The control is immense. Mm. His vocal control is immense. And he's going really, really, really high for his range. Mm. And the power stays, the power he's putting behind it is the exact same. Yeah. That's just pure control. Yeah. And it sounds like, honestly, sounds like a fucking could be a robot. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just beyond human, I think this. So for people that don't know it, you do. Let's give it a blast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Here we go. Yeah, I know. Might as well just like, start. I'll start with this one, right? Yeah. I'm not like so much getting it out of the way. I'm just like going, look, lads, let's not fuck around here. Yeah. Nelson Dharma is is in this playlist. I'm not going to be alluding to it all mm, through the podcast mm. like I do, like peppering info here and going, oh, the big one come later. Yeah. Just put it out there now so you know this is the standard. Exactly. Well, it's yeah. not. We set the standard too high. But this is. um. Obviously, like a lot of people will remember it being used in the 1990 World Cup as the main team. That's and right. It yeah, really, yeah. really worked well for it. And I think Italy won that year. I'm not 100% sure. Mm. So it was kind of like, it's just, the, it's the most famous aria of all time. Yeah. Like, I think. Almost it's the, most, it's the most well-known. They uh, use on a couple of ads opera. as well, I think. Yeah, they use it all. They use it in the 90s after the ad. They just never stopped using it. Yeah. But I remember as a kid, not really knowing about like great singers and yeah. it was just all songs, great songs. That's all yeah. I knew. And this was on the telly and like my family were like, holy shit. Yeah. But it was pe- even like, holy people need shit. To, exactly. People need to understand that like when this, when this came out, like we were listening to fucking Timmy Mallet and shit. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like we, <laughs> we, we, we were running around not knowing jack shit about anything. And then this comes on because I, I remember this being extraordinarily powerful as well when I first heard it around that time like yeah. it's, it was a game changer the, the fact that uh, every time you listen to a song after you listen to this you didn't understand why they weren't doing that big shouty thing that Pavarotti was doing yeah. you know why don't um, they all sound like Pavarotti so Nesson <laughs> yeah why don't they all sound like that it's yeah. ridiculous why can't they <laughs> sound like that exactly uh, <laughs> Nesson Dharma means let no one sleep which uh, sounds savage it's outrageous to be honest with you yeah, yeah. Um, it's the final act, like I said, from Puccini's Tarando. Um I don't know anything Bananas. about that. 
I don't yeah, know yeah, about that. Know. I'm never going to watch it. It's not my thing. It's a bit nope. too... Uh, do you know what? I reckon I could get into it, but it's just something in my life at my age that I would have to put loads of effort into. It's too late to get into opera now. I think it might be. I think I've missed yeah. all the best. Pavarotti's dead now, so yeah. I hope I ever get to see this song live. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about the blind fella? Is he still kicking around? Andrea Bocelli is, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. He's pretty he's decent phenomenal as well. Phenomenal as yeah. well. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. He uh, lost loads of weight and he looks... I've seen cool. that, yeah. He's all yeah. fucking decrepit looking now. I yeah. kind of like... I like me sing, me opera singers but a fucking... but a heft on them. I think that's that's the Pavarotti syndrome though, you know? Yeah. And then the fucking, uh, obviously the big Viking woman that you read about in the comic books when you were a kid. There was always big Viking oh, yeah, opera yeah, yeah. singer. <laughs> Andrea Bocelli actually sang this um, yeah. this version uh, at Leicester, Power, Leicester City's Power King Power football ground. Oh, cool. The year they won the league, I think, and it was just like super, super emotional. Yeah. I don't know what it has to do with Leicester, but look, it's something like... Bit of Every, culture for them, of, them yeah. mutants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, oh no, I know what it was. It was the, their manager is Italian well, at the time, Claudio Ranieri. Oh, there you go. And he was just like, well, this is the best song ever, so I'll just get it. Yeah, hell with that. That can be yeah. our song. Yeah, like, honestly, this uh, aria is only three minutes long. Yeah. Like, and it just gets to that bit, and it's just like, I know it's a cliche with the old hair stand up in the back of your neck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Power. The power that comes in, you're just like, what? Yeah, that's that, sound, that sounds like, like if if singers could do what some sports people do and take a lot of steroids, to get out of <laughs> out of their skin. Good. That sounds like what he did. He took like the singer, <laughs> singer steroids, steroids, yeah, and just went fucking Hulk on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. banger. It's also a banger. It is a banger. It's also a banger. So. That was my first one. It was your first one. Uh, my first one, I picked Radiohead doing Exit Music for a film. Cool. And uh, the main reason, uh, let me give you just a little bit of, a little bit about it. So uh, we all know, okay, Computer came out in 1997. The, the, but that, you know what? That's our, that's our most used line on a podcast, on this podcast. It has to be. <laughs> it has to be. It has to be. A <laughs> um, couple of reasons. The band said that 80% of this album was recorded live they just set up and they done it yeah um, and they had this thing where uh, Tom York in particular had this thing where he always pushed to use his first vocal take because if he had to keep doing it he keeps second guessing himself not only that your vo- voice will maybe not in the first like 10 but it will begin yeah. to degrade oh yeah exactly as long as, especially <coughs> in the evening after you have eaten and drank and your voice will continue to deteriorate. So sometimes exactly. you just wrap it up. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you just had this thing about go in, bang it out. I'm sorry, just uh, before you finish, yeah. did you ever get that? Even if you didn't do the best take, it's the most magical. All of yeah, oh yeah, definitely. It's the oh, one yeah. with the, end, the emotion in it. Oh, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's always the first couple of them, that, that like the first two yeah. or three are like... And even if there's like them, a load like, of fucking gammy notes and you're like bollocks, because the rest of it had everything. Exactly, you know what I mean? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on. Um, so yeah, saying 80% of it's just done live, where they just plugged in and they had at it. And uh, this song was weird as well, because this is... Apparently, when they were when when they wrote this song, this song was written for Romeo and Juliet, the movie. Um, oh, yeah. And they worked out a deal with the director that they could use this song in the film for the credits. Um, so apparently, what had happened was the director turned around to him to Radiohead and said, "Will you write me a song? And I'll put the song wherever the fuck you want, whatever you want." 
yeah. and he sent them he sent the band like the last half an hour of the movie and they said well here we'll give you a song and we'll call it exit music and just put it when the credits are playing how about that and he was like yeah no worries i said will you play the whole thing though i said yeah no i'll play the whole fucking thing no problem and they said uh well another little note here you're not allowed to use it on the soundtrack so if people buy the soundtrack Ra- this Radio song yeah and we don't want the song to be on the soundtracks we're going to keep this song for our album because apparently what happened was they, they'd been messing around with stuff for OK Computer but when they'd done this song they'd, they'd got about 40% of the way through kind of the recording process for the album but when they made the song they were like that sounds pretty much exactly like what we want the rest of the album to sound like because they were self-producing OK Computer with their uh, their mate Nigel, Nigel uh, Godrich's name is he was actually he was just the engineer on the bends but they ended up kind of working late night sessions with him like this deal's really good so they brought him in he's worked on every single Radiohead album since OK Computer with them as their main kind of producer but this one was kind of in tandem as a self-produced deal but when they made this song for for um, Romeo and Juliet they were like this I think this is what we want the rest of the album to sound like. So they went back and they they tried to figure out if they could use this kind of formula that they'd come up with um, and, and apply that across the board for OK Computer. So th- this song itself is kind of responsible for the album, if you get mm. me. Now, what's weird about this song is that like the 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 chord progression and stuff like that in there is like you've you've probably heard it a hundred times. It's not the most it's not the craziest fucking chord progression in the world. And vocally, it's not the most challenging kind of vocal that he's ever done. But I think they might be like the most I heartfelt. Know. I think it is the, either in the top two hardest. He just... me. Well, <coughs> but what, what's by interesting... It, by the end of it, he is just... Yeah, by the end of it. We're going to play a bit of it now in a second. But by, by the end of it, he kind of he shifts everything up a couple of octaves. But it's just... He's back doing that fucking just open throat kind of shouty thing that Tom York's yeah. well able to do but for like 80% of this he's basically mumbling through the words and you can hear them you can hear little mistakes and you can hear like stuff that if they weren't self-producing it the producer would have been you have to go back in and redo that man you just have to and uh, but because they were allowed to do whatever the fuck they wanted and there was no time limit apparently say, on the making of this album because the band's done so well that yeah. the label was like just whatever you want Whenever you want to, give well, us another they, album. They said that, but that's a lie. That's a lie, exactly. <laughs> if, they, if they were spending fucking like a Chinese democracy amount of time, there would have been yeah, lots of brief cra- This is the phone call. This is the phone call. Tom, guys, guys, Gareth here. Not, not you. Yeah. Uh, just, t- just uh, touching base with exactly. you guys. Yeah. See how you're um, getting just, on, like. See, just wanna, I just wanna touch base and see where we landed on the completion of the new record. Exactly. That's. Uh, I guarantee. I guarantee. You, even, even fucking six months into it, they were, they were getting those fucking calls. Like almost certainly. Um. But there's, there's something real earnest about most of the vocals in this. Now I'm gonna play a bit of it. I'll come. Um. And we'll. we'll uh, Let's play a little bit of it here and we'll see how we get on. Yeah.
That, that high stuff means nothing to him. You can, you can hear there's no there's no struggle yeah. or strain. It's just no. another day at the fucking office for him. Um, I think between this and the tourist, no, sorry, Lucky. Yeah, Lucky's uh, Lucky's doing mad shit in Lucky. Yeah. Um, I I I, I personally feel stuff like um, electioneering is probably harder on him than anything else because it's a little bit all faster. the punk stuff. Yeah, yeah, all the punk stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's there's essentially three minutes of just a guitar. And then there's a you've got the little, there's a little kind of a what you call a mellotron comes in a little bit of kind of the um, choir fucking the the choir uh, synth thing comes in behind it as well. But it's so simple, there's so nothing to it. And as I said, you can hear these mistakes almost, but they're all within the range of the kind of honesty he's trying to convey. Because l- lyrically, the song is about Romeo and Juliet as well. Like right. the, the the lyrics are written about Romeo and Julia, yeah. um, wake from your sleep, fucking before your father catches us, all this mm. kind of shit. Um, <clears throat> so he's trying to get across the fact that this, I think he's trying to get across the fact that this whole thing is kind of very spur of the moment and it's very kind of immediate and driven by need. And the fact that he's using his first take. That's almost certainly a force of second take. Just when you it listen to the like song, it. yeah. When you're when you're listening to a, with the pro, fucking decent headphones on, you listen to the old song, you can hear all these kind of like uh, 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 yeah. uh, type of things in there as well. And they're not trying to hide them; they're trying to leave it up there. So, like as much as I love this album, this is one of my favorite. This is my top two or three songs on this album, and simply because uh, uh, all all songs fucking start fucking small and get bigger that's where the epic feel comes from this is now this is uh, and just another example of start small and simple layer 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 and all of a sudden you're into the big crescendo of and you're like holy shit and nipples are hard and the hair in the back of my neck is jumping off me like you know but there's something about the fact that you can tell that this almost certainly wasn't the best take he was capable of and he just went no that's it that's what we're going for like this is not necessarily that it's going to sound bad or it's going to sound live, but there has to be this like inconsistency to the vocal so it doesn't sound too polished. Because originally I was going to I was going to do uh, fake plastic trees. Um, That's another gonna, huge song, yeah, huge song. But I just as much as I love the bands, the production on the bands is like more traditional and flat. Yeah, and it's it's actually hard to hear, like how unique of a voice Tom York has on the bands in some places because I was listening to it I was jumping between the two it's and the not difference. as delicate it's not as delicate it's nowhere near as delicate as, like this. and it's not as uh, the, the dynamics are not the same where he's 100%. not sound like he's broken then exactly anger yeah, yeah. exactly like the, the bands is much more of a traditional kind of alternative rock album in its production sense and that, that doesn't hurt it in any way shape or form but the difference as the way this song is put together compared to what's on the bands like Fake Plastic Trees, which, again, is a fucking whopper. But uh, I'd, I'd love to hear a remaster of the bands done by the lads kind of now, if you get me, to see what they could do with it, if they were ever <laughs> yeah, being allowed to do it. Good, good idea, yeah. You know? Uh, because, like I said, it just has that has that kind of smashing pumpkinsy kind of, not necessarily wall of sound, but like everything kind of sounds the same in it, from song to song. Um, oh, like, yeah, it has a, a kind of... Uniformity, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, with OK Computer, everything sounds different all the time, which yes. is yeah, weirdly fits together. Exactly, which is beautiful. So I picked that as my first choice, um, just because it's 
it's like I said, it's delicate and it's earnest and it's it's fucking huge. But you can hear the you can hear that his voice. Like I said, there could have been better takes, but he said that even if they're like perf- performatively better, they're not going to be better than that first one where they were singing it yeah. when I meant it. Yeah. So that's my first choice. Radiohead, excellent music for a film. Um, bananas good. As we're on the streak here, that's two killers in a row, I think. Yeah. Definitely. Who is your next one then? My next one is possibly one of Michael Jackson's first uh, lead performances Ooh. in the Jackson 5 and it's Who's Loving You now the main version of this that I love is the one from the Ed Sullivan show where they performed the first and this child comes out and sings with the voice of an expert man Se- 17 I mean, angels folded into an expert man <laughs> yeah yeah um, this is always I love this performance from the Jackson 5 I've always loved it I mean mm. it's pretty much it's pretty much just Michael for the most of the time but they are obviously fantastic on it as well. But the this is the chills one. And he looks fucking badass. He's got his little pimp hat on. Oh, I love the, his little pimp hat. His little leather no, fucking folding hat. No, it's like a his denim one. Suede, purple suede hat that he has on. Oh, in, it's like a fedora thing he has as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's way too big for his head. They gave him a man size hat, but I think that adds to it in some sort of fucking talking heads kind of way. Of uh, <laughs> yeah, but <clears throat> this is always this always goes. This is always mentioned. I think a lot on you know great vocal performances yeah, from yeah. TV and great live performances. But um, this version, like you just mentioned it earlier, like the live performances are sometimes the ones we should have gone with. We didn't in this case. Mm. So, but this is still absolutely fantastic. This is like. From the album Diana Ross presents the Jackson. Yeah, that's how early it is. Diana Ross presents the Jackson Five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she gave him the break and stuff like that. Um, Gave a lot of people a break. Yeah, definitely. Um, Give it a blast there because it's still. You know what? The very start of the song is great, but I've picked. I think I've picked a different bit, didn't I? Uh, You're you're going from the start. Oh, I am going from the start. Grand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect, because the problem with these songs is there's loads of bits and we can't play the yeah, whole lot. That's right. It's a great bit at the end as well, but it's mostly the performance at the start. Mm. And again, I'll say it's on the Ed Sullivan show, it's a little bit better, but this is fucking shocking good. All right.
there's a, a, a child who should be playing with action man singing about loving women. Yeah. That's, I, I, always bothers me. Always this bothers me. As, as amazing as it is. Yeah. This is the problem. Um, he could have had like a regular childhood. Yeah. But unfortunately, he was one of the most talented people, to, like yeah. top five talented people in the world. Yeah. And they copped that and he had to sacrifice his life and then became a fucking a bit of, uh, you know. A bit odd. I, I've seen a video. I've seen a video point, of him. To the point where, yeah, to the point where things got fucking bad. Real bad. I saw a video of uh, a, a fucking Neverland fighting with children over ice cream in his own fucking ranch. What? Uh, I want to see that. The other day. And they're like queuing up to get ice creams. And the kids are all like, oh, I want the raspberry. I want the mint. And he's like, yeah, kids, I want a raspberry. And he's like fucking jumping all over the ice cream, man, and shit. I was like, oh, my God almighty. All right. Uh, poor cunt, like. Poor fucker. The talent is undeniable, you know, and the story behind the talent is fucking tragic. And everything mm. that happened afterwards, you'd have to feel, making excuses, you'd have to feel though a part of it was created. Almost certainly. Almost certainly. Manufactured fucking yeah. uh, fucked upness. Well, wasn't there a rumour that he was a, he, he was a castrato? That his father um, basically had him chemically castrated at a young age to keep that voice. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true either. His doctor... The doctor who killed him basically said that. That uh, the father, at the age of like fucking 11 or whatever it was, um, seen him starting to grow up and was like, we can't, we can't have his voice change. We cannot have his voice change. Like, he's worth, like, billions. Is there anything we can do? And the doctor Jesus. was like, well, we could, you know, stunt this testosterone and, you know, essentially chemically castrate him. Because um, there, there was a type of singer called a castrato, um, like a hundred odd years ago, which were men that were, like either chemically or physically castrated to keep their voices Jesus. and that's what the doctor said that he done to him like, there's no proof there's only the word of the doctor let's put it that way that uh, he was he was uh, well, castrato the thing when Michael Jackson actually spoke when he was older it was super low and normal yeah unless he was putting it because there was times you know, he, he was always, being interviewed and he put, put on, it on. Oh, yeah, he, that like squeak yeah, you're right. he always put it on but sometimes you'd hear him talking in the studio when no one was looking. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, like, okay, yeah. No, I think we want to do that. Like, Fucking yeah. what? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. You'd see know. the camera then. It's like, <laughs> no but, uh, yeah. this, song was, this song was actually written by Smokey Robinson. Oh, very cool. You can kind of hear oh. that, actually. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah. definitely his song for the miracles. It's been covered by on Vogue Michael Bublé surprisingly covered this <laughs> when he came out it was cave yeah. wow yeah <laughs> uh, The Temptations The Supremes Terence Trent Derby it's just one of those fa- it's a brilliant song it yeah. really is absolutely beautiful Lauren Hill um, did it as well but this is the most famous cover of it mm. and there, and because it's more famous than Smokey Robinson's and the Miracles version it's the most famous version of this song yeah yeah like, like a lot of cover a lot of famous songs before the 70s are mm. on covers Really? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Somewhere they just perform, yeah. recycled songs like bastards in the sixties yeah. and seventies. So this was produced by Barry Gordy, obviously, because this Course, was a Motown, yeah, Motown yeah. jam. You can and hear the yeah. mu- music in the background; it's just outrageous. It's flawless. It's yeah, it's, it's absolutely flawless. Picture perfect. Like. like a lot of people had to suffer through the years so we could hear this. Yeah, <laughs> like realistically, yeah, it's fucking, it's fucking crazy. But um, yeah, look, I, like, he, no he had a, he had a sweatshop, like he had a band sweatshop, like. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. <coughs> he did. I just think it, it's it's a really. I don't mind too much when young people sing about like older stuff, like loving. A girl. I just I, I I know it's just they're imitating 
the song. So yeah, I know what you were saying, but it didn't really get to me too much. Yeah, that just um, kind of bothers me because I know we'd rather be doing a colouring book. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's the, way it's way it's way worse when they're older and they're thinking about younger. Well, that, that might have happened as well. <laughs> so anyway, who's your next one? Uh, my next one is what I consider to be one of the greatest songs ever written, and I I never talk about it. And I tell you why I never talk about it, as I always forget it exists. Because in my mind, it's so beautiful and powerful that my brain deletes it until I so hear can, it. So you can re-listen to yeah. it. Yeah, my yeah, brain cool. yeah. deletes it and I forget about it until I hear it again. I and do it's, that. It's brilliant. It's, it's a amazing. fucking brilliant defense mechanism. Yeah. I do that with a lot of songs. Yeah. I listen to it and go, why don't I listen to it all the time? And exactly. you get to the end of the song. Because you ruin it, you sap. And your, your brain makes this little contract. Now put it away yeah. until next year. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I picked Simon and Garfunkel, a, a Bridge Over Troubled Water. Yeah. And uh, once again, last week doing my research, I was like tapping away and I was like, okay, I'm looking up lists and I'm saying like, what does my brain... Like, I, I'd often I'd go, go online, I'd look up lists of what our topic's going to be, and I, and I see then if my brain is going to connect anything in that list, and then I'll go like, oh, but that's, I, I know a bit about that one, or I really like that one. So I, I, I'd often use the internet to help me make my choices, you know. Sometimes shit just jumps straight into your head, you don't have to worry about it. Sometimes the internet gives you the little leg up. And uh, this is on a list I looked at, and I'm like, oh, God, I could feel it. I could feel the memory of it re-emerging in my brain. Um, so th- this came out in 1970 from the fifth, um, the fifth Simon and Garfunkel album called Bridge Over Troubled Water, written by Paul Simon and sang by Art Garfunkel. Paul Simon's in there doing a little bit of melody towards the end of it, but 99.9% of it is, is, is Art himself. And it's, it's a pop kind of gospel song. And it's... <laughs> the way I always describe the song is how you would make an atheist feel what religion feels like. Yeah. So this is such a powerful piece of music and it's driven so hard by the vocals. Like there's pretty much just a piano going all the way through it. And then you've got drums that come in. The drums are, the drums sound like fucking gack, right? Because they, they went for that whole kind of wall of sound type yeah. of feel for it but the song is too sparse to work in that wall of sounds kind of production and because of that then the drums just sound like they're on fire I'm going to play a bit of it now in a minute and you might hear some of the drums <laughs> coming in but cool. the drums just sound fucking terrible <coughs> um, Paul Simon said he always regretted not singing it himself um, because when they do their live shows he wouldn't even play piano he'd stand off stage jump off stage for, for four minutes while the song was on and he said he'd stand at the side of the stage and he'd be like Jesus Christ I wrote that like I wrote that song and apparently he wrote it in like 15 minutes it just flew out of him and uh, it, all of a sudden it was just it, there's that song and sometimes that's the way it happens oh yeah exactly and he said like I can't believe I wrote that and I can't believe I let Art Garfunkel fucking sing it because he wanted he wanted that uh kind of choir boy feel which is what Art yeah. Garfunkel was kind of known for you know and um, every now and then he had to give him a song yeah exactly to throw something <laughs> something as well like re- really and truly um, what's interesting about this is you never really know which way the vocals are going to go in it there's no real set formula to how like the difference between the musically what the, the, the verse and the chorus are and the two of them kind of meld together in that like the, the chorus is upon you without you even knowing that the chorus is there so the, the yeah. verse kind of build, build, build chorus. Or what the fuck? And it's all, it almost sounds like it's a bar early. 
and then there's like a little lull after it. Like at the time, and it's so fucking weird and strange. And it even gets weirder as the middle eight comes in, and the drums are doing that bish bosh fucking craziness in the background. And it, it is like I said, as far as I'm concerned, it's the, it's the closest um, you, you can have to a religious experience without seeing a fucking statue moving and knock. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. it has <laughs> this it has this hold over over you when you listen to it, and it's. Strangely enough, came out two months before Let It Be by the Beatles, which it sounds very much like when you listen to the two side by side. Because um, really, yeah. Paul Simon said that himself, and I was like, really? And I went and I listened to Let It Be right after. I was like, holy shit, they're very close. They're very, very close. Now, he wasn't pointing fingers because both of them would have been, have been recorded been, at the same time. Yeah, yeah, too, too close to... Exactly. It was literally two months between them. And... Uh, but when he said, I was reading this interview with Paul Simon, he was like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, fair, it's close to what the Beatles song would let it be. And I was like, is it though? And I went out and listened and was like, oh, kind of is, kind of is. It has a similar enough kind of structure and everything. And I'm going to freak me out for a few minutes. I'm going to play a little bit of it here. Um, yeah. I'm sure everybody knows this song. Whether they remember this song or not is a different kettle of fish in its entirety. We're going to jump about two minutes into it after the slow build. Because at the start of it, it's very much gospel choir. And then you start getting into the big thunderous fucking... God is smiting people shit. So where well, here we go. I'll take your part oh, when darkness comes and pain is all around like a bridge over trouble. singing that song oh yeah definitely 100% Paul Simon, Paul Simon would have done it no that's, that's better it's that way better that, that artist singing it 100% yeah. um, 
by the time it gets to that bit there, where you start hearing towards the end of it, they basically just run everything through the same fucking reverb unit, and everything's <laughs> yeah. just this brick of fucking. I actually, I don't, I don't mind it. I love it. I'm all yeah, over. I'm, uh, it just, yeah. it just sounds fucking batshit mad, but that's good. That's good. It's, you're you're swamped in the song. Yeah, you're you were absolutely in the middle of it. Exactly. The fucking heavenly gates are open. The fucking trumpets are blaring. You know it's what I mean? One, it's one of those songs where the reverb creates a crowd around you. One hundred percent. It's like, so. Like, oh, it's bananas. Good. I hope I yeah. forget it again tomorrow, and I, can't, I don't hear it again for another year. <laughs> um, but the, like the restraint in arts vocals adds so much to the song as it as it kind of it doesn't necessarily build it's more it kind of trudges towards the end which is what's going to interest in it and every verse something new kind of arrives so like by verse two he's got a tiny little bit more gusto i mean like two percent you know what i mean and by the time it hits like the the, the kind of you're, you're into this kind of loop of choruses and he kind of does a little mini verse in between choruses and stuff like that it's just full-on like I said, reverb crashes and weird fucking reverb on the snare on that tap tap of the snare and the orchestra that came in in the middle eight kind of little bit there, the little yeah. refrain and that that just keeps going. So you just end up. I can imagine what the waveform looks like in my head. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. a, an ice cream cone that fell over. Yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I can because of the way he sings, you can hear. First of all, you can hear the fucking tape, which is beautiful. You mm. can actually hear that fucking two-inch tape that they were using. There's this hiss that runs through it that's almost like another instrument. Yeah, and it yeah. adds this almost white noise that kind of glues the piano together and then his vocals. It's 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 In terms of yeah, performance... You'd notice if it was taken out. Absolutely. It'd be too clean. I guarantee you there's some sort of remaster of it where it's just... They, they just ran it through a noise gate and yeah. that's gone. That's gone. And I don't think it'd work as well because sometimes that... like. <laughs> tape itself <clears throat> like traditionally when I was when I was going to sound engineering school we were we were caught between analog and digital digital was starting to be a thing that was used in studios but at that time it was mostly people messing around with like Cubase and Cakewalk at home messing around with keyboards because MIDI was starting to be a thing and uh, but one of our one of the big things we were taught is that like tape is your best mate because there's a natural compression when you're recording onto tape that you don't need that much you don't need to run too many super mad compressors to kind of keep everything even because the tape itself kind of squeezes everything down but the trade-off for that is that you get a little bit of noise so most a lot of the engineers kind of a lot of the real clean pop engineers didn't like it they were trying to figure out ways of like how do we get rid of this tape noise yeah and uh, a lot of them then were like no like that's part of the like that little hiss that's that runs it in the background. It, it makes it, do you know what? You know when that hiss comes in before any of the instruments? Yeah. It's the most uh, anticipating building thing I can think oh, of. Oh, yeah. Because you know it's someone's just, unmuted something on the desk. You know yeah, I, mean? it's just, I think it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, you hear yeah. this. You're like, yeah. oh, it's about, you're, yeah. you're about to hear something Here that feels come. super, it makes it feel super live. Exactly. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. Big fan of fucking tape. Um not a big type, a big big fan of chopping it up when you actually have to work on it. That's not particularly pleasant. No, but yeah, because yeah, then you're gonna get like the <laughs> fucking yeah. grim man. You have to cut out a weird angle and everything. Oh, it's poxy. Yeah. And you use Scotch tape to hold it together. And if you if you nail it, to be fair, if you get to if you have to splice tape and you get it dead on, you won't hear it. But if you're a yeah. muddy cron off, it's blah blah blah. 
yeah. you hear this kind of thing because like a wave it has to be cut at the crest yep. or, the, or or at least sewn back together at the yep. right flow yeah pound the box you just have these these trays these kind of uh, aluminium trays that like the tape would fit into and they had weird kind of cuts in it for running razor blades across so, so you could get the angle kind of correct and splice them back together without having tape overlap and shit like that very interesting stuff but yeah. um anyway that was bridge over troubled water oh, yeah, boy simon garfunkel it's just it's an incredible piece of music but his performance on it is just it's angelic as, as I, i'm yeah. not very religious and that's the closest he's, thing to a religious experience he has a I can super think of. Power, powerful voice he wasn't just a, a songwriter so, per se so to speak as, as good as uh, the other fella but i, I sort of prefer I, like, paul, paul simon can write some fucking songs but it sounds like he's he's a bit fucking bitter as well you know so we, i think we've, we've talked oh about yeah him. definitely is yeah we've we talked have. about him on podcast before you know and uh, as i said he was very unhappy that he gave that song to art yeah, he thought he should have kept it <laughs> sickener on you. Uh, who's your next one? My next one is I Have Nothing by Whitney Houston. Mm. There's a load of Whitney Houston songs that I could have chosen. Uh, this one is always the best for me because I think I think in what l- limited knowledge I have of vocal performances, this may be the hardest one to do. Not because of the high notes or anything like that, mm. just how she dips up yeah. and down to get back into modes and how flawless it yeah, seems. Yeah. She's one of the Outrageous. Top, top five uh, yeah. vocal performers of all time. Yes. And this was the second song from um, the Bodyguard soundtrack. And I always thought for years that this was a separate song that had nothing to do with that at all. But it was this. And it's slightly overshadowed sometimes by yeah. uh, I Will Always Love You. But this is still one of our biggest songs. And it's written by... David Foster and Linda Thompson, who were married at the time. Mm. Um, Linda Thompson's a, a, an incredible songwriter. She was um, going out with Elvis for years, Jeez. and then she married Bruce, Bruce, now Caitlyn Jenner, mm. um, and then David Foster. So David Foster is, if you ever watched that documentary on Netflix about the producer, David Foster, songwriter mm. and producer, he's a, a relentless conflict, mm. but in a, in a get the best performance. Out yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah way so you can see him pushing Celine Dion another take another take and yeah, she's, just, yeah. she's like 19 or something and she's like oh, okay let's go so he he was the fucker with the millions of takes like Phil yeah. Spector I don't know about that uh, see the great thing about that is you, you, you'll you just by chance get the best one the, an amazing one oh but yeah you have to call it at a certain time of day, oh, yeah. like we were just talking about excuse me about earlier anyway this song is a powerhouse hmm um, it's it had nominations for uh, the Oscars for the, being told oh, into cool. the movie, obviously Grammy Awards and Soul Train, but I don't think it won them once. I think it could have been up around the same time as I Will Always Love You, which mm. you know that's going to be overshadowed. There's great stories about that that take of I Will I Will Always Love You mm. uh, that uh, they sent it to Arista to Clive Davis. Mm. And he was like, absolutely not. It's, this is the demo version. And no, the other way around. Sorry, David Foster was forced to send him the demo because Clive Davis was okay. like, Come on, show me the fucking thing. And then he goes, yeah, perfect. Brilliant. Let's roll with that. And he goes, well, roll with this type of version. No, roll with that version. And really? David Foster was like, absolutely not. I haven't done all my, <laughs> I haven't got the vocal performance I wanted. I haven't got the arrangement perfectly yeah. as like I wanted. And he fought him and fought him. And this, the, the version of I Will Always Love You is the one 
that they didn't want. That's the, oh really? The, like yeah, yeah. That's the one that Clive Davis was like, absolutely go with this one. <laughs> you won't. You he's, he's like, I'm telling you right now, you're wasting your time. You won't get that again. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, but I wanted more. This is the <laughs> This is the other song though. Yeah. And as much as I love, I will always love you. I have nothing is a way better song yeah, for yeah. Whitney Houston because it's not a cover. It's written for her vocal mm-hmm. style perfectly, and it shows it. Basically, I think when songwriters are given a brief, yeah, exactly. You know, this is what they for. can do. This is who it's for, yeah. and they go right. Well, how far? It's like a, a, a video game producer. They look at the tech and go, "How far can we push this?" Yeah, exactly. And if you give it a listen now, you'll see how far it can be pushed with the with the key change and all that comes in. And Whitney Houston, I swear to God, it's it's unbelievable the voice. It's just mm. one of those otherworldly talents. So give it give it a bash here for the f- six people in the entire world that may not know this. So. <laughs> stuff yeah that's one of the ones that makes me go oh that i have nothing bit. i have nothing don't make me yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, flawless absolutely yeah. flawless transition back into that bit um yeah they wrote that song that's a song they could have only written for a handful of people yes to pull off and yeah jesus christ every time i hear it i still go i still get kind of blown away by it um if you haven't seen that documentary from, I think it was about five years ago. I don't think I have. Five years ago. Uh, Whitney. Whitney. It's phenomenal. It just charts the progress and life of a really sweet little girl mm. into like someone who was just put into a lifestyle that they had to sustain by. It, it, people think that 
like people do loads of drugs because you, of... As you sniff. As you sniff. <laughs> I've never, literally never done coke in my entire life. I've said it, <laughs> said it all the time. It's the stupidest drug in the it world. It is. drug. Absolute so. moron drug. Do mushrooms uh, and talk to space aliens or something. Don't yeah, do all that yet. shit. But uh, don't do something that makes you feel like you're on 10 whiskeys and fight the world. Uh, it's it's mad because people always go, oh, they're all into drugs because of the like, Hollywood lifestyle. That's not always what it is. No, it's, it's a coping mechanism a lot of times. It's as a well. coping mechanism, and it's also an energy thing. Oh yeah, they, exactly. They, they, they're, they're. This was pumped into people by PR people to give them a boost to like you're on in fucking Frankfurt tonight. Yeah, you have to get. You're running low on energy. Here, look, have a sniff of that. Exactly. Like, Listen, I do oh, nothing, right? I do nothing, and I'm tired all the time. I'm knackered. Right, so imagine you're fucking, you're doing like a two-hour show with dancing and singing <laughs> every night, and then being rolled up the stage, trying to a bus, trying to play into, into a different bed every night. Pe- exactly. People don't understand how that—that's one of my nightmares, by the way. Oh, exactly, yeah. different not, not bed your own every bed. night. Yeah, oh, fuck all, that. horrific. So of course you're gonna need fucking a chemical interlude. You know what I mean? Um, people that go without it in that industry, especially back in the day where it was that hard. Um, especially in the pop industry, we were just you were just a commodity, you know. Exactly. Um, different for the, rock and roll uh, bands or whatever, but fucking pop, yeah, the like pop scene. I'm not saying they don't all choose it; they do. But yeah. uh, it's just kind of sad. It kind of is sad. Cause oh, absolutely. They didn't need to sell her that hard. No, no. That uh, just aggressively. Yeah, to, exactly. To, to push her that hard. But anyway, watch the documentary. It's both brilliant and sad, and. That song, I'll just leave it at that. That song mm. still gets me every single time. Who's your next one? My next one is, I had to be doing, done if we're talking about great vocal performances, I had to pick uh, Freddie. It's uh, yeah, Queen yeah. Queen, and the show must go on. Yeah, actually, uh, you know what? I'm not a mad Queen fan, but I've said it a million times. That song is incredible. It's fucking outrageous. So, again, I wanted to have a slightly a slightly off kind of angle for, for, for a few of these. And, um, this is off the album Innuendo from 1991, which is... Um, maybe my favourite Queen album I think it's maybe my favourite Queen album because it's the first Queen album I have direct recollection of do you know what I mean I was 10 years of age when it came out and uh, my dad was a big Queen fan so when this yeah. came out he got it of course he is he's a dad exactly <laughs> and, uh, I, 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 this entire album reminds me of sitting around a, a campfire in the woods at night while this play is off a little Sanyo fucking battery powered tape player you know Um so I, ha- I have I have memories like that, but uh, the reason I wanted to pick this is that Freddie nev- never got to perform this live. He died very soon after they recorded this album. And right. uh, one of the things when they were recording this is that Br- Brian May wrote this song. And apparently when they were, uh, what they used to do was they'd go into the studio and they'd all have bits and pieces. And they'd... Uh, uh, apparently it wasn't as much like the way they showed it in the Bohemian Rhapsody movie where they were kind of rehearsing and shit like that that did happen but not all yeah. that often they would, they were that good they could just get together in the recording studio right we're making an album who's got what have you got a song have you got a song have you got a song oh, I've got a song okay right let's kill let's do it and uh, Brian May had written this piece of music he had lyrics and all kind of ready to go and apparently he, he was reluctant to give it to Freddie because he didn't think Freddie was well enough to be able to sing it. So he played it and he said, Freddie, I think you're too sick, man, to be able to, to do this. 
and Freddie went, shut the fuck up. And he, uh, <laughs> he took a bottle of vodka and he fucking took a couple of big lamps out of his bottle of vodka, ran into the boot, bam, done it in the first take, walked out and fucking basically told Brian Hay to fuck off. He's like, yeah. I'm, I murdered that, by the way. Um, yeah. What's next? So, uh, yeah, he never got to perform at live. The first time it was ever performed was at uh, his tribute concert. Um which is real fucking sad because it's a, it's a fucking killer. It's, it's a killer of a song. Like you don't always get to hear someone singing songs about. Just sorry, just realised it's a great idea for a podcast. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to give it away. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know where you are going. There. Um, but it's 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 it, there's you've got your full spectrum of Freddie stuff going on, on on in this song. You've got your kind of. Uh, lower range kind of fucking verse stuff and then into the big super catchy belter of a chorus that, that Queen are known for um, the chorus is also super fucking creepy as to what you are just alluding to there the subject matter of what's going to happen yeah. um, which is fucked up as well because Brian May wrote it um, and he, <laughs> mo- he most certainly kept the show fucking going on to this day Um God. Like a Who's bastard. Available? Who's available today? <laughs> exactly. I exactly. know. Ah, like, um, you know. I don't hold that again. I, I, I don't do that. I just want to, the lads like, want to play. Brian May is the Freddie Mercury of guitarists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you yeah. get me, so there's yeah. no reason he's just. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, what's in, one of the things I really like about the song is that his like Freddie's kind of diction, the way he pronounces words, is so clear. Like you could never mistake any single word that Freddie Mercury sang. Like, everything is so, like, spot on. Like, uh, if there was a talking fucking dictionary, they could have got Freddie to fucking say the words. Do you know what I mean? And in particular, the way he sings, like, every single fucking vowel and, like, things are, it's just picture perfect. Like, you could never mistake, you can never really mishear a lyric. Not really with yeah. Freddie. Um, he's so just, fucking bananas um, he starts off kind of clean and, and simple by the time he gets to the second verse he's got a little bit more venom a little bit more rasp in his voice um, Brian May is doing weird shit with the guitar because it's, it's almost entirely a synth kind of driven song which is what they were mad into by the, by, the, by the time Queen were getting around to the last couple of albums they were mad into synths and I know Brian May had issues trying to figure out where his like, I'm one of the best guitarists in the world. Where do I fit into this fucking thing? Even though he's writing songs and synth. So, you have to find these ways of doing little weird licks that fit in between the synthesizers. And the, he starts layering those in then in the second verse and stuff like that. And that kind of pushes Freddie on a tiny little bit more again. I'm going to play I'm gonna play a bit of it here. We'll play a minute or two of it. Um, for, like, as you said, the fucking six people on earth that have never heard this song. <laughs> Behind the curtain In the pantomime 
Not to listen to all that song. Um, oh God, I was really getting into that there. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard it's not to just. Honestly, let it go. my favorite Queen song by a, by such a country mile. <laughs> I think I think Innuendo is my favorite song, but it's not the same album. There's just, just yeah. so so much great shit on that. D- this this coupled with a uh, fuck no, I just remember this, he wrote another song about that uh, he did, topic, yeah. which can go into the into the <laughs> <laughs> yeah grand. Um, yeah no look I, do you know what the, the one thing that puts me off about it is Queen's fucking relentless use of terrible keyboard sounds yeah they're, they're, they're not quite pub keyboard but they're entry level fucking it, forced it, forced yeah wave. it's the sign of the times like it's yeah. not really their fault but like yeah, it doesn't matter because the song's unreal. Exactly. Well, the, the chances are that's just some dude who built keyboards in his shed showered up and gave one to yeah, the lads, yeah, Do you yeah. know what I mean? And they were like keyboards. You press a button, a mad noise will come over. Um, they used to reverb in the songs. Very interesting as well. They, they have um, just just a tiny bit on the verse. Obviously, loads on the on the chorus, and it does this weird softening thing that when he's kind of when he's going up into the big the show must go on. When he goes up into that. Um, you can really hear kind of this reverb kicking in. It just softens the edges so much that it's not shrill anymore. And you can also hear that that's not as high as the fucking go. Like he's still very comfortable there, and it's oh, absolutely, yeah. Like it's always interesting to hear a singer know what the song wants, not what it needs, what the song wants, the direction it wants to go, and not just have every single song be. Like, what's the maximum we can put into this song? And I have to think in the back of my head that 99% of the time when they do that, when they do pull back a little bit, when they restrain a little bit, um, that part of the reason is if we ever have to do this fucking live, it's going to be pound of bollocks. If we, we have yeah. to do two hours of full maximum belt every night, as we just said with Whitney Houston, it's not going to be plausible. We have it's to... Like, it's probably like when wrestlers are planning out their moves and they go... How many, how many shows are we doing this tour? Like exactly. 56 in a row. Do we really want to do that move 56 exactly. in a row times off the fucking yes. turnbuckle? Exactly. I can't do 56 <laughs> million salt lads. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my finishing move on this tour is going to be a headlock. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, because that, that, that does happen in wrestling. Like um, Guys have yeah, like, yeah. tour and finishing moves. You'll notice with all the big guys, this is what's fucked up. If, if you think about it, all the big biggest wrestlers of all time always had two or three finishing moves. One that was a big spectacular one. And one that was bullshit. You know, like the rock gives someone a people's elbow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because so he doesn't have to pick someone up and fucking throw them down where they get damaged or whatever, you know? Um, yeah, I always look at them and go, I know everyone loves them, but that's bullshit. That's bullshit. It's, bullshit. it's just, it's, it's, it's easing. easing exactly. Them. Exactly. Oh, yeah. they, they always have a handy enough kind of finishing me over yeah, yeah. So, something like that that they can deal on smaller shows or throw in halfway through a match. And this is... That's not probably not the greatest description of of a Queen song. I'm just saying that he could, he could have given it more, 
but it wouldn't have helped the song in any way, shape, or form. Because he, by the he, time he chose which bits to do, absolutely uh, give give the welly to. We ha- you have to uh, you have to think about. He, the reality as well that like he's in the studio doing a fucking AIDS. He's a little waif at this stage. All the weight's yeah. gone off him. You know what I mean? He wasn't he wasn't a fucking tall bloke to begin with. He would have looked like a fucking skeleton in there trying to do this. And he was more than capable. If this was his last fucking gasp at Queen, he was going to fucking knock it out of the park and make sure that like this, uh, he, he wasn't going to go out uh, of a flurry. You know what I mean? So, it's interesting. I definitely think there was some restraint there because he could have went up another fucking key and, you know, or layered it 17 times. No, kept it kind of simple. Let's, you got this little synth that went, 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 went. Drums don't really do it until fucking the first chorus comes in. It's almost like a resting of... Yeah. Exactly, um, yeah. it's just it's a spectacular song in terms of like performances. It's impossible to pick a Freddie Mercury performance. It really and truly is. Um, yeah, because they've all got certain bits where you go, fuck. Exactly. But this one, the fact that it wasn't going to, he was never going to be able to perform it live. Um, and the song was kind yeah, of about what was going to happen. Yeah, you're right. There's an added difficulty to this because he was yeah. so in a bad way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, and the, the album itself is spectacular. Like, if, if, if anybody's ever on the fence about fucking Queen, go and listen to Innuendo because it's, it's proper spooky music. It's there's not that much happy shit in it. There's no fucking cleaning the house music on innuendo. Not really. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's all a bit. It's all a little bit morbid. You know, um, in particular the song innuendo, which is like their version of. I was going to say it's their Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, <laughs> it's uh, innuendo was the closest thing to that kind of multi-song paranoid yeah. android type of fucking. It's a, it's another one of those, you know, and mm. uh, it's it's fucking because I was going to pick that, but it, that's, it's not as in your face fucking the NASCAR fucking monster <laughs> monster truck as the show must go on you know what I mean yeah, which yeah, is a proper yeah. big uplifting song which is I think how everybody wants to remember Freddie as just this like insane fucking talent um, it's a, it's one of the it's an incredible fucking swan song like it, it's well, fucking hell yeah, batch it Matt uh, right who is your next one my next one is Eminem with Rap God mm. Um I think this used to be like the fastest rap of all time or something. Um, or unless it was maybe Busta Rhymes. But I no, I think it was Rap God. But then recently I think Eminem bet his own record with yeah. the song Godzilla. Yeah. But overall I think Rap God is the more difficult song to sing. And mm. it's the, as well as that, it's the one where everyone was really saying, Ah, Eminem's fucking lost it, man. He's lost it. Mm. He doesn't really have it anymore. He's doing too many pop songs. And he came out with this. Mm. And uh, while it's not like his best song, there's a bit at the end where your mind is just blown. Yeah. And it's just, what is going on? Yeah. Now, off the bat, I want to say, I don't like promoting this song too much because of the whole using the term, like, yeah. fags, breaking fags. But I saw a lot of people saying, look, Eminem doesn't use that term for gay people. Now, it's not a massive excuse, but at least it's a little bit of an explanation. Oh, yeah. Him and Elton John are best those, aren't they? Yeah, well, that, that that comes up like a lot when people talk about yeah. Eminem throwing in that word. I, he, whenever he uses that word, he doesn't really reference gay people's culture or anything. Yeah. He just loves using that word. It's very yeah, hard to that take word. that word. It's very hard to take that word off some people because it's such a great word for different things. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, 
you're going to hurt a lot of people with it. Exactly. It's yeah. just an awful shame. It's such a phenomenal award to use, but you can't. <laughs> it is. I'm being honest. I know it's hard not to use it sometimes. Like, but you'd never ever use it in the context of a gay person ever. I, 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 no, no. It's just. But it's God damn it! If someone's too, like, too long, too much time has passed. For if shit if like someone that. like cancels the pub two nights in a row, you're like, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, it's, 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 it's rolled off the tongue, especially for Irish people. You know, yeah. we even spell it differently. You don't even pronounce it right. And because of that, it uh, has yeah. just, uh, just uh, something in your soul that wants to say that word. Like, yeah, I said, I said, I remember years. I know this isn't going to work. I know it's going to sound stupid to a lot of people. I wanted to create a box where you could put money in and give to the gay community for once a year. You could use it <laughs> in a non, non, in a non-gay related way, which is the only way it should ever be used. But it should never be. I know it should never be used. It's just, it's such a good fucking word. Yeah. <laughs> it really is <laughs> like a swear jar that goes towards the community yeah <coughs> oh jeez but it's Christ. not cool because like realistically and and, and I re- I, I've i been reading th- I, I read a lot about this when I was thinking about this mm. you know what I mean years ago and I remember um, some guy was like can we not just use it and like if anyone ever asks it won't be we will say it's nothing to do with <laughs> It's not in that context. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy just said, it's always, first of all, it's always going to be related to that. Yeah. And second of all, away, second of all, if any gay person ever hears that word, it just fucks them up. <clears throat> and it's, it's a horrible thing to hear. And as well as that, like literally new people who are beaten to death while that word is being screamed at them. I'm like, oh, exactly. okay, yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're dead right. You just get, it, you can't, can't take that away. The, the fucking cadence of the word yeah. is 10 out of 10. Yeah. Like, first of all, it starts with an F, which is one of the most aggressive <laughs> of the dictionary. And it bounces straight into two yeah. Gs in a row. Yeah. No, you can't, though. You can't. <laughs> no, just let it go. We have to let just it let go. it go. No, and rightly so, let it go. Someone will come say- up with something else. Someone, yeah, will, no. someone will pull something else out, uh, out of the hole and it'll fucking just work properly. Like, uh, someone will just mash two words together that'll have the same yeah. fucking yeah, viciousness. As well as that, it, because of the weight it carries, it, some of the aggression in it is coming from that as well. You can't course, deny that. Yeah. They're linked because course. they're linked. Anyway, let's move on to Rap God. Eminem, hey. Stick on this song and, and this bit of the song that makes me go, oh shit. All right, here we go. I'ma kill you. Lyrics coming at you with supersonic speed. How to make songs like that I don't know what words to use Let me know when it occurs to you While I'm ripping any one of these verses The verses you It's curtains I'm inadvertently hurting you How many verses I gotta murder to Prove that if you were half as nice as songs You could sacrifice virgins to uh! School flunky Pill junkie But look at the accolades These skills brung me Full of myself But still hungry I bully myself Cause I make me do What I put my mind to When I'm a million leagues above me Ill when I speak in tongues But it's still tongue in cheek Fuck you I'm drunk so Satan take the fucking wheel I'm all sleeping in the front, pumping heavy D in the voice, still chunky but funky, but in my head there's something I can feel tugging and struggling, angels fight with devils and here's what they want from me, they're asking me to eliminate some of the women hate, but if you take into consideration the bitter hate that I have, then you may be a little patient and more sympathetic to the situation and understand the discrimination. 
but fuck it. Life's handing you lemons, make lemonade then. But if I can't battle the women, how the fuck am I supposed to bake them a cake then? The mistake of the shit. It's a fatal mistake if you think I need to be overseas and take a vacation to trip abroad and make a fall on a face and don't be a retard, be a king. Think not. Why be a king when you can be a god? Yeah. Like it's uh, it's unreal. He, he does that for six minutes. Yeah, he's 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 incredibly talented. Yeah, if I remember correctly, this this was the fastest one, and then it was Buster Rhymes' uh, verse on Westside Choppers on Technoin's album, and then I think he got it back on Godzilla or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that was they all. I all changed hands, but whether that's the correct order, I don't know. But I know Buster Rhymes on Westside Choppers. Um, that was one for a long time, maybe until the end of Godzilla. Uh, but like, I love that fucking chopper style, that fast rap. Yeah, um, I love it. But after about four songs, I can't listen to it anymore. Well, like, no, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be in four songs in a row. Exactly. Um, and, and even in this song, that super fast bit is only like towards the end. Exactly. And he, do, he peppers like, it with fucking proper rhyme as well in between. As yeah. Well, it's, it's, no. Yeah. That's yeah. It's it's not just a show off. It is exactly. actually a good song. It's not like one of those guitar solos in the middle of a crap song where like yeah yeah. And and I do like watching videos of people doing it online because oh, they've yeah. been practicing their whole life to do this. Song. Oh yeah. There's a guy called oh. Blind Fury. Have you ever heard of him? No, no, no. Blind Fury is this blind guy in the States and you want to hear this dude rapping. Holy fucking shit. I, I assume he's blind since birth because he does the thing with his hands and all. You know, like his, his hands do this fucking weird thing when he's talking and rapping. And um, <coughs> dude, uh, he, he does these... Uh, Presumably it's not sign language. No, no. It's just this fucking... I don't know what you'd put it. Like his wrists and fingers are like curling and shit. Like he, because he can't see his hands, he doesn't know what they're doing. And um, sure, he knows what they're doing. I, they, they're just doing their own thing. It's right. it's, quite, it's mad looking. Um, but he's absolutely fucking outrageous. Look him up on YouTube. Uh, Blind right. Fury, I think his name is. He was on the that 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 fucking rap battle show that Nick Cannon was doing with Puff Daddy and all this kind of shit. Oh, and, uh, what the fuck was that called? I can't again? remember. Um. But everybody was terrified of him because he showed up one day and they're like, Blind Fury, is it? Yeah, Blind Fury. All right, great. Yeah. And he just destroyed people. Destroyed people to the point where, like, the judges and all were like jumping off their seats. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they couldn't help it. And then I, I think he showed up on a couple of seasons and everyone was like, oh, I'm after pulling Blind, Blind Fury in the semi final. Like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And you can see the faces of the people that he was going up against. They were just broken. They were just broken. Because I can't slag him off for being blind. <laughs> You know what I mean? I can't really go after him for being blind. But in his in his raps, he's like, slag me over being blind. Like, it's literally all you have. It's literally it was, all uh, you have. It was wild and out, wasn't it? Wild and out, yeah. Wild and out, yeah, yeah. man. There's lots of people got real tick about over that show. Remember those people actually aggro on it and everything for a Oh, long yeah, long Pete, of course. It's part of the culture to a degree. But um, yeah, uh, the, the, rappers, see, just, rappers just not been able to take the loss. Uh, yeah, ex- Exactly, yeah. But uh, every now and again, you get kind of chopper guys that show up on that as well, too, on that, that, that kind of... That chopper style, which, as I said, is interesting. But there's people who have built an entire career off that, where they have full albums of that stuff, and like, I couldn't do it. Like as a show of skill, fucking fantastic. Like, and Eminem is obviously one of the best in the world at it. Yeah, yeah, he is. Look, and I still listen to rap. God, the odd time, um, Godzilla is phenomenal as well. So he's done it again. So there's two, two. Um, I was going to put without me on it, but um, that is my favorite lyrical one, rather yeah, than vocal. Yeah. Vocal yeah. one. So this is my Eminem vocal one. Who is your next one? My next one is um, 
making me yawn. Jesus Christ. It's been a long Knackered. weekend, folks. Yeah, it has I'm been a tired. long ass weekend. Um, I picked Erica Badu with On and On. I love this song, but I can't remember what part of it is. Just all of it. Uh, this is our f- debut single from 1996. And I'm not going to lie to you, I don't know jack shit about Erica Badu. I know bits and bobs. Of, I know what she looks like because she yeah. wears the big thing in her head. Um, that album that album is 10 out of 10. When that album came out, I got it. I remember that. And yeah. uh, I know this song well because this is one of our biggest songs. But the way she uses her voice is is just the opposite of easy. Right. So. Oh like, yeah, I know what you mean now. Yeah, yeah. Like she doesn't. She will find that the, the hardest way of singing, not necessarily in key or anything like that, but just in the way the vocals and the melody is structured, she'll find the weirdest possible way of doing something, and just make it sound like incredibly easy. Like she's not even trying. Her voice is fucking honey, and I hate saying that, but her voice is honey. Like it, it literally, it's dripping. Like, the way the music is framed and this is really weird. I think the, like, I'm pretty sure the fucking bass, the actual, like, bass guitar in this is just a a, a bass drum that they've they've changed the key on it because it has this weird kind of impact to it in parts. And then um, it's, it's this weird piano sample that is kind of fragmented and it's got that, as we talked about with uh, Simon and Garfunkel, there's a tape hiss in there as well. Now, this right. would have been... This is 1996. We're well able to control tapis, um, compared to 1970 when they were doing Simon and Garfunkel. But they left it in there in the samples. They left this hiss in there, and it almost becomes part of the music. Now I don't know if you're going to be able to hear it in this this bit of the song. I'm going to play. If you're listening to the entire song, it's only it's three minutes long or something like that. Um, you'll definitely hear the hiss kind of um, where they were chopping samples up and decided to kind of keep it in there as well. It's. Yeah. The way they have the music formed gives her so much space to work vocally. Like there's there's stuff going on musically, but it's it's whatever, you know what I mean? Like it's fine. It's fine. But I feel like I could get a fucking Coke can and throw it against the wall four times and she'd be able to turn it into a savage song. Just <laughs> yeah. the way she sings. She just has this it's almost like the way our brain works doesn't make fucking sense. Like as, as I said, you find it. Yeah, a, the first time I heard this song, I couldn't get my head around the format yeah, of it, like the yeah. way she was singing it. And then second or third time, I was like, "That's just it's, amazing." It was very new. I'd never heard it. And it's almost there's kind of bits of scat in there, and there's bits of kind of doo wop. Yeah. And then there's bits of soul, and there's this kind of uh, kind of Afrocentric style of the way she warbles her voice and shit like that. But it's let, let's just play a bit of it, I suppose, for for for. Uh, yeah. Um, for for people who may not remember the song. Oh, 
musically there's elements of like trip hop and stuff there as well. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's it's just smooth as silk, and it's one of the only songs I I find kind of these days that once it's finished, I'm gonna put it on again. Um, which is a mm. rare thing because usually you want to move on to the next thing. But uh, whenever I listen to that song, I'm like oh, I just think I just need to listen to that one more time. You know, just yeah. a, it just has that go back factor. You know, that rewatch factor. You know, fucking Empire Strikes Back factor. Just yeah. put, put it on again. Um, that and the kind of little interlude before. I think it's before yes. Rimshot. Rimshot is 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 beautiful little thing. Just I think I'm pretty sure it's just before on and on or after it. Yeah, it just complements it perfectly. This it's, album is it's so. Super, yeah flexible in yeah. and we'll you can put this on whatever kind of mood you're in exactly. put it on in a great mood you can put it on in a shite mood exactly um like the, the, the way everyone's separated on it as well is just, as i said there's so much space in the song that musically the music isn't driving it at all like you've, you've got stuff like the the fucking coming in and then the the actual fucking the the the, the, the snare drum rim shot that's in there the clack that comes in randomly and, and stuff like that as well but it's very hard to find uh a flow to the music because it's stuff jumping in and out all the time and it's her that holds it all together and she's not not afraid to just stop like in the middle of a verse and just let a little bit of that clack ring out and then jump back in again yeah. like it's it's like water it's 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 fucking beautiful beautiful one of the well honestly one of the best vocal performances i can, I can think of um, yeah it's just so fucking smooth but that's on and on by erica badu who is your next one my next one is i had to pick who I think is the greatest. A lot of people will be thinking, did you pick Devin Townsend? I didn't. I picked someone who I think is the best uh, metal vocalist of all time, mm. Ronnie James Dio, and it's uh, Stargazer. Because I think mm. this is one of them songs where every single person in the band is playing 10 out of 10. Therefore, <laughs> the vocals has to do 11. You know, that way they have to push it. Yeah. And I think it's one of the most non-toxic dick measuring competitions I can think of. <laughs> it's just nice it's the same the way the, the same in the way uh, Lennon McCartney was a beautiful dick measuring competition yeah. that was not uh, we got good things from it on, yes. like conversely to, and, and even Watch the Throne is definitely one of the biggest dick measuring competitions 100%. in the world when you have Jay-Z and Kanye going up against each other at the yeah. peak of both of their fames uh, it sometimes just happens and I don't know if Rainbow ever had that feel they just were just like we're fucking deadly let's uh, yeah. do this song so the drums from Cozy Powell are amazing Richie Blackmore's guitar is insane but this for me is possibly Ronnie James Dio best vocal performance mm. uh, ever yeah I think like not ever but for me it's the one that makes me go Jesus yeah. he's you know what it's to do with the, what the music is doing if the music keeps changing style and key and yeah. stuff like that, the vocals have to fucking really tag along yeah. or or sort of go out in front. Mm. And he goes out in front of this. So give it a bit of a whack there. For people that yeah. don't know, they, they may not know Stargazer, actually. They'll know Holy Diver and they'll yeah. know um, Heaven and Hell that he did with Black Sabbath. But this, to me, I, I know I'm playing a good chunk of it, but you have to hear all the things that he's doing in this to make it like, whoa. Trying to make sense. All right, here yeah, we go. Yeah.
you know, I'll tell you something, right? I was, I was never mad into Rainbow, simply because they were just a little bit too Stonehenge for me, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, his talent is absolutely undeniable. Like it's just that voice is just insane. That little goblin cunt could sing. <laughs> He's the yeah. ugliest man to ever walk the earth, right? <laughs> Supposed to be an absolutely lovely dude as well. I met. I'll tell you a story about Dio, right? I was, I was in upstate New York somewhere, and where the fuck I was playing a gig years ago in upstate New York, and what we used to do. I'm sure I've talked. It's, it's been enough time has passed. I can't get myself in trouble, but. What we used to do... Is, <laughs> no, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going back there anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, what we used to do was that we'd fly into into Boston because it was the, the quickest flight. And we'd rent a van or get a loan of a van in Boston. And we'd play a gig or two in the Boston area using uh, uh, mates of ours that were in the van, using their gear. But when it was time to actually get the show on the road and play fucking all over America you had to have your own gear so what we'd do is we'd go into we'd find a guitar centre which is just a big Woody's DIY of fucking music over there Yeah. and we'd go into a guitar centre and they used to have these like 30 day money back guarantees so we'd have money put aside and we'd buy yeah. all the gear we'd buy drum kits we'd buy amps we'd buy guitars we'd buy fucking everything right Um. When, when we had our proper musicians visas we'd bring guitars with us but it was a couple of times we just went over on holiday said you were going on holiday and you'd do a fucking yeah. tour right so you'd have to get everything over there but they have 30 day money back guarantees as long as you kept the gear in good nick so we'd show up we'd have fucking a shit ton of money we'd be saving up for months and months and months to have enough money to buy the gear because we knew if we kept it in good nick they just give us our money back at the end of it so it was a free rental right so yeah. take the gear on the road play all your gigs bring it back as you're going to the fucking airport they hand you your bleeding money back into your hand and your free gear for the entire tour we've done that every single time every single time but once we went to get our gear in this guitar centre that was in upstate New York and we got talking to this dude and uh, apparently wherever the fuck we were loads of famous people live there right um, in this area in upstate New York but I don't know what, where the fuck it was I think it was just outside Buffalo or something yeah. and I remember when we were in the car park the, the singer from AFI pulled up he was there Right, right. Uh, Davey Havoc even though I think they live in Los Angeles but he must have had a house or something there but he pulled yeah, up yeah. in a car and we were in there and I was, I was I think I said to the deal behind the counter I was like man I fucking uh, I think did I just see Davey Havoc from AFI he goes oh yeah he buys bits and bobs here all the time I was like holy shit and he goes dude you don't understand how many fucking like famous people and shit that we see in here all the time it's weird Yeah. and he started reeling off all these names and he said uh, Ronnie James Dio's son lives around the corner and I was there what right. and he goes yeah like his, his father disowned him I was like, his what do you mean? Song? I said, what do you mean his father disowned him? He said, he wants to be a rapper. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, Ronnie James Dio doesn't talk to his son anymore because he wants to be a rapper. So, uh, seems dickish. I, I don't know. The son could have been a fucking prick. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> but we stood there for 20 minutes. Yeah, I was telling us <clears throat> that like every now and again, um, Ronnie would show up, you know, trying to reconnect with his son or whatever the fuck. I don't even know if Ronnie James Dio has a son. I thought your man could have been... Or maybe the son was... Maybe the son... It was like a dip so going around going my dad disowned me and the dad's like no he didn't I want to connect with exactly. you exactly who fucking knows but the lad said that they'd met Dio a couple of times in this fucking place because like it was like the only place that the young fella fucking 
uh, hung out because he'd have like yeah. demo tapes and shit like that and he thought you know we might bump into someone because as I said loads of famous people and producers and musicians lived around this area so the son would hang out there all the time and your mum was telling us about yeah yeah Ronnie he doesn't uh, you know so him and the son are a big fan because like, the son wants to be a rapper he's now interested in, in rock music and uh the, the Ronnie thought, you know, he was going to, he'd be able to give the young fella a leg up in the business if it was rock orientated because he doesn't know anybody in the in the rap world, you know. But seems that, like, that so, seems, seems like a, a fucking false story. When we heard it, we were like, oh, maybe. Do you know what I mean? your kid because he wants to be rap. Yeah, sounds a bit dirty. But again, I, I don't fucking know. But that's me, Ronnie James, the L story. The closest thing <laughs> I, I have to a proper Ronnie yeah. James Dio story, but uh, yeah, he, the well, dude is incredibly fucking talented. I don't even hate the fucking Black Sabbath stuff. No, I, why would you? It's a great because, album. Well, it's not a great album, yeah, but it's got I mean, great songs on it's it. It's not. It's not Aussie. It's not the first fucking four. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, but to be which honest, where I, you, I draw the line mostly. To be honest with you, it's one of those rare cases of a singer coming in and the album being unreal. Oh, better for like yeah. I keep saying unreal. Most of the songs on it are unreal. It's not. It's not a perfect album. Yeah. Uh, heaven and Heaven and Hell, like Neon Nights and all. I think it's fun. I think it's it's a success. Is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Great uh, cover in, art. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it really looks like Led Zeppelin though. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So that's uh, Ronnie James Dio. Who is your Super. last one? My last one is uh, a weird one, and I picked Bone Tugs and Harmony with the Crossroads. I love that song, <coughs> yeah. but I wouldn't have expected initially to see it on this playlist, so yeah. blow me away. Uh, well, a sip of water here. It's so warm oh, in this room. That I'm serious. Man, I am, I'm boring up in here. Yeah, it's roasting. Um, so this song comes out in 1995, um, off the album E1999 Eternal. The song is dedicated to Easy E. Because um, the, the album was put out in Ruthless Records by, by Easy E. So... Bone Thugs and Harmony originally from Ohio, and they had been sending demo tapes to Easy E for years, trying to get Easy E to pay attention yeah. to them. And they were getting letter ba- letters back saying, oh, "Easy, I'd love to meet you, and uh, you know, at, at our earliest convenience, we'll organise, you know, a, a fucking an audition for Easy, all this kind of shit." And after this is going on for for a long, long time, the band said, "Fuck it, let's just scrounge to get our money." And get the bus to Los Angeles and right. see if we can hang out with fucking Easy E. So they only had a one way fare, it's all they could afford. So they scraped together whatever the fuck it was, $25 each, the whole band, got on a bus and went to Los Angeles. Only to find out that Easy E was on tour and at that day in particular was actually in Ohio. Right. Where they were from. So they yeah. couldn't afford to get back. So they ended up living homeless on the streets of Los Angeles for four months at a crossroads at the crossroads right um, so they hung around till Easy got back and eventually they managed to just fucking corner him and say explain the situations mate we're after coming all the way to Ohio uh, because you said you wanted to hear us you said you wanted to hear us and we've literally been living on the streets here in people's houses and down fucking lanes and everything for the last four months like we're in shy like is there, can you give us our audition and Easy just said do it now do it right now so fucking they just started rapping and singing and doing that thing in front of him and he went right follow me and I went into the studio fucking and the next couple of days they made the first album right got signed mm-hmm. he made them change their name he didn't like their name um, he liked the bone aspect because they changed their names it was like busy bone crazy bone all this kind of shit but the, the band yeah. I think might have been called like 
uh, Bone Industries or something like that. And he was going, no, you're Bone Thugs and Harmony now. And that's... Uh, bone Industries, better. Yeah, exactly. You're Bone <laughs> Thugs and Harmony right now and we're sticking to it and that's fucking it, right? Um, the reason I picked them for what I think is a great vocal performance is that you can tell that none of them have any sort of vocal training whatsoever. None. <laughs> this 100%, what you hear when you're listening to this song is exactly what they would have been doing in their fucking bedrooms around street corners to entertain themselves. 100%. There's zero vocal coaching. There's no... Even the way the songs are structured, you can't hear, like, a producer's hand in it. This sounds like they showed up with these kind of a cappella songs and whoever was in the studio just start putting stuff behind it. It's just that simple. So it's truly the sound of fucking the streets where these guys came from. Ohio, right? Right. It's truly... I did not know that they were from Ohio. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, weird. Um, Like you can hear the fact that they almost don't know what they're doing and they almost make a bollocks of weird melodies and because they're making a bollocks of these kind of simple melodies it makes them sound weird like when you listen to what they're doing there's nothing to it like there's really nothing to it they've just gone about it in such an like musically uneducated way that it's now very interesting it's right. now very interesting. Let me play a bit and you'll hear. I think you'll hear what I'm talking about. Like, there's no. Oh, no, they're L key for half the song. Like. Exactly. Like, but <laughs> it works so well because they didn't know what they were doing. And there wasn't, like, a fucking musician's hand, you know what I mean? Or, or a professional singer's hand in it. Like, Easy E would have been down as a producer on all these albums and shit. Like, this song is about. It's dedicated to Easy because Easy had died, and it's about fucking going to heaven and meeting him at the crossroads and blah blah blah, right? But uh, Easy didn't know what the fuck he was doing either. Like, you know what I mean? Easy wasn't a producer; he wasn't even really a rapper. You know, he was just it's a cartoon character. I love Easy, but he was a cartoon character. Like everything was written for him. You know what I mean? Like lyrics. He was he was more important than his songs were. One hundred percent in terms of a figurehead for like kind of. That that late eighties, early nineties gangster movement, like this is incredibly yeah. fucking important character, and uh, he was one hundred percent the face of it. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Ice Cube is a facsimile. He put, so, of he put so much stuff together. Oh yeah, uh, big time. It's very important. For, like the fact that he started his own record label, and like it's it's just a big deal for the dude. He was a fucking drug dealer and a gun toting madman. Um, the fact that he was able to recognize that this. There's, there's a hole in the market for this and I'm surrounded by killer talent. You know, it was, yeah. su- it was such a big fucking deal. Anyway, I'm going to play a bit of Crossroads here and as I said, just listen out to these vocal melodies. There's nothing, nothing to them but because they're doing them just a little bit wrong, they sound really, really fucking interesting.
it's so it's so rough and ready, but it works so well. Like it fools you into thinking that it's a masterpiece. Do you know what I mean? Because there's mm. so many different guys doing different things, but they're kind of meant to be doing the same thing. Like it's 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 like, like it's like they imported the foil of them all singing together into uh, the DAW and it, it rejigs them. Yeah. Under. It just, the wrong it, way. It, it bar, everything just bar, half a second bar, off. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. something's something's not right with it. But that song is fucking incredible. It's a supreme work of art. The fact that like Easy E is heralding it and it's not a gangster rap song. They're not talking about shooting AK forty sevens, they're talking about that dead dog and missing that uncle and missing Easy E and they're singing. It's proper like almost barbershop to a degree. That made it stand out so much. Now, there was rapping on, on the album and stuff, but they were famous for these kind of street corner anthems, you know, like First of the Month and stuff like that. That's what they were famous for. Um, nobody really wanted to hear them proper rap. Not really. They wanted to hear that kind of melodic sing rap style that they had. That's what made them stand out. Yeah, but yeah. as talented the, as they the, were... The artwork makes them look like they are singing about the darkest, horrible oh, murders. Yeah, that, that's well, the rootless record. Yeah. Rubus Records trying to go up against that row. Is they all have that, that, go- that gothic font. Yep. <laughs> yep. That, that old English font. But that, again, like I said, that's Rubus Records trying to go up against that row. That, that, that's what happened. Once that row launched and took fucking Dre and uh, every other label, especially Rubus, who they were going up against, was effectively aping what that row was doing because they had the super hard edge. You know, well, like Rubus had the hard people in it. But it wasn't really coming across like that, you know. Um, so it's, it's interesting, kind of like it, it's, it sounds stupid, but it, Bone Thugs and Harmony were at a crossroads of gangster rap and kind of <laughs> rhythm and blues. I know, yeah. Like it has that R and B fucking style, but it's being sold to people who listen to gangster rap, and they accepted it. They full blown accepted it. Like there's nobody who was into hip hop. Um, that heard this went like that's shy. Not one person ever heard Crossroads and went like it's not for me. Oh, no, deadly. Like because it's fucking deadly. But the <laughs> beauty like, and I miss my uncle Charles, yeah, yo. Yeah, exactly. like, well, it's so weird. It comes exactly. out nowhere, but you're bad like, shit, yeah. Mad. Yeah. It's bad shit, mad. But I just think the way the song is performed, the fact that the you can tell that there's no nobody sat down and said, Look, if you like, if you want to sing like that, look, I can show you. And they went, Fuck that. And lit a joint. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. for me, that's, it works so extraordinarily well. And I don't think it would work if the lads were all incredibly fucking talented singers. You know, or like musically spot on. I don't think it right. would work. I think that roughness adds to the fact that like they're trying to sell this R&B <laughs> style. They are actually thugs forced into harmony. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, that's the best way I can put it. Yeah. And that's in the name. Exactly. It just doesn't make sense that these, as you said, you see the artwork and they're standing there in the fucking like dilapidated ruins of a building. They've got the old English cool fucking evil font and shit and it's all, it's like on a rocker like where it's meant to be, you know, across their stomach like Tupac Tug lifestyle and they start fucking to you at the crossroads. It's fucking batshit mad. Also, the only band I'm going to miss everybody. Exactly. <laughs> the only band to ever, ever work with Tupac, Biggie, Easy E and Big Pun while they were all alive. Nice. I think, you know what? They get a lot of respect Bone Thugs and Harmony. People really yeah. like them. I only know this song if I'm being perfectly honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I guarantee you know Force of the Month as well. That's, that's that and uh, Crossroads and Force of the Month are like 
big fucking songs. Like, whenever I hear the name, I just get this instant good feeling about my childhood. Because that song, <sighs> big song, when it came out, every like you said, everyone loved it. And it's yeah. it's a legacy song. It's absolutely 100%. Legend. Exactly. And it's probably one of the last things that Rootless put out as well. Because yeah. Easy was I think Easy was gone by the time this album came out. I don't think Rootless lasted too much longer after that. I could be wrong off the top of my head. Anyway, that was it. Yeah. Um, that was it. It's interesting, interesting little playlist there. Um, mm, just some, looking at it. The great thing is, this would be the one that's better to listen to as a playlist because there's bits in these songs that we didn't cover oh, yeah, we couldn't, when yeah. we played them. We but uh, we absolutely like couldn't. specifically the whole lot of the show must go on and the whole lot of I have nothing. Yeah, needs to be really yeah, you, you have to hear it. Um, I suppose the big news is that this Saturday coming, it's going to be the last ever Lost Art Live show. Yeah. Um, Pubs are back open. I have to go to work. You're working. Um, it's, okay, it's I'm, time. I'm just like catching my breath with just moments to myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's hard, it's, it's, hard. it's time. Um, uh, we talked about it on the live show um, during the weekend there, but unfortunately, it's time. So what we we're asking everybody. Uh, whether you listen to the live show before or not, or you do randomly, do us a favor this Saturday. Tune yeah. in from come from in nine for o'clock. This, come in for the fucking finale. Exactly, and um, we'll drink a lot of cans together. We'll talk shit in the chat room. We'll play a lot of music. We'll have a bit of fun. Uh, we'll jump on at nine, and I, I I know that you can't do the whole night, but you're going to jump on and off as you can. I thought, yeah, I'm up and at half six the next yeah, morning. I'll do me, I'll do my best. It's fine. We, if, if you join us for a little while, we we'll be, we'll be fucking laughing. But I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna ride. The, the fucking wheels off this thing I'm just gonna cool. go and go, and go um, yeah. until I have to just vomit and go to bed um, that's my plan so I'm gonna get fucking wrecked I'm gonna build the biggest playlist we've ever built for a Saturday night and uh, just have <laughs> yeah. at it have a little party we'll have a little going away party for Lost Art Live the podcast is not affected podcast will keep going um, of course yeah We'll figure it out. I don't know how we're going to figure out the podcast because I've got seven days in a row to do next week. Um, but we'll figure out. We might have to do a record a little bit earlier, one of the days you're off or something like that before yeah, I go yeah, in. Yeah. Um, but we shall figure it out. The podcast will not be affected. That will go every Monday. You'll still get your podcast. Um, but it's just a live show that we started um, at the start of the lockdown and we ran every single Saturday night for the entirety of the pandemic lockdown, which is what I wanted to do. I know I'm the back of my head. Once we started, I was like, we have to keep going. We have to ride this till the fucking rails fall off. Like, we have to go, we have to go, we have to go. So I'm happy fucking, like, that we got to do it until we could do it no longer. Makes me makes yeah. me feel good about accomplishing something. Because yeah. the, the, the live show was very important to me. It was the, the highlight, one of the highlights of my week that I could kind of put a little yeah, bit yeah. of brain power into every day and it, it, something it, to look it, forward to. Trying to pull in two people that were DJs out of that environment it's very difficult for us because yeah. we didn't realise how much we needed it and it's oh, nothing yeah. to do with like ego or fucking uh, stature or anything like that it's just like fuck it's a huge part of my personality yeah. and, our, and yeah. our lives that yeah. is ripped out one day so Gone. to have you all come on all the time and, and be like giving the little hearts to the songs and saying fucking banger and all makes makes, a makes huge a, it's a big it's a big thing you kind of when it's over then you feel like you accomplished something because and people have been locked up at home as well as us being exactly, locked up at home exactly yeah and yeah. we wanted to give something that we felt like we were being social because we're coming from a social background of DJing and running nights and stuff like that and like I said it's all taken away from you so the closest the best thing we could do for you is try and replicate a little bit of a pub atmosphere by uh, talking shit and playing music and drinking cans for the night on the internet for people so um, 
please join us Saturday night from nine o'clock. We'll put the link up on the Facebook page and the Twitter and all that that bullshit as well. And tell your yeah. mates as well. Tell your pals. I'd, I'd love to see a massive amount of people on here for a couple of hours. Um, just to, 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 to give it the send off it deserves because it was a lot of work. It was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of fucking work as well doing it. Yeah. Um, it was it was dedicated time. It was and it, it's, you're giving up a, a night every week, um, every single week as well. Um, for you, the listener. But so yeah, if you listen, if you like what we do, you can support us. You go to patreon.com forward slash lost art podcast. That's a subscription based service. It's five euros a month and you got access to uh, a all the live shows. Every single live show we do on Saturday nights were recorded and put up on Patreon. But there's also extra podcasts and videos and all sorts of madness up there for a five or a month. It's nothing. Um, if you want to tip us you don't want a subscription you just want to throw us a few quid you want to buy us the, give us the price of a point you've got the ko-fi.com forward slash last hour podcast the link is there in the text um, of the show uh, all our links are on lasthourpodcast.com you can go up there yeah. and get access to all of it and uh, also, thank you very if much also after you listen to this and you go shit I want another one just go if, have a switch back to the the, the top post on our page is a list of them all. Just yes. Pick a different one. There's it doesn't have to be, yeah. Over a hundred, there's like a hundred and something podcasts now. Uh, really? That are up on, on Spreaker right now. A hundred and five, yeah. hundred and six or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. Over a hundred. It's, it's two years worth. Yeah, two years yeah. worth of podcasts every single week. And then, as I said, on our Patreon, you've got a year, you know, like 15 months worth of... Uh, look, look, we're not perfect, goes. but we're consistent. With, <laughs> I said, I sounded like a ropey window cleaner. Look, <laughs> exactly. He's not perfect, but he's consistent. <laughs> There's streaks in it, but he's there every Monday. Uh, right, folks, that's it. Thank you very much. We shall uh, talk to you on Saturday, hopefully, and uh, you'll get a fresh podcast on Monday uh, coming. Mm. Thanks. See you later. See you.